Hope you're having a great evening, everyone. Thank you for spending part of it with us. DeMarco, JB, and as you heard, Les Sneed filling in for Coach McVay this week. A Week 16 trip to Levi Stadium in Santa Clara, the 8-6 Rams and the 11-3 49ers. Let's flip the script this week. Instead of waiting to the final segment to preview this week's game, let's just look right ahead. We'll spend plenty of time looking back on the Cowboys, of course. But, Les, what's the approach the next couple of weeks? I mean, I know the odds may be slim, but... Hey, the Vikings losing back-to-back home games against division rivals Green Bay and Chicago, not out of the question, right? You know, nothing's out of the question. I do know this. When you're in our situation, we don't control whether, uh, you know, we get to the playoffs or not. Now, what we do control is what we can do, like you said, against San Francisco, and then once that game is done, what we can do the following week against Arizona. I know I can remember – Heck, it wasn't last year or year before sitting in the locker room, and you've seen it over the years where uh, Buffalo rallies, however, at the end of the year, but it takes a Baltimore win over someone. Mm-hmm. I forget who that was. I do know I was sitting with Sean after one of our games watching it, and it got to fourth and something, at least 10-plus, and Baltimore scores a touchdown to basically put Buffalo in the playoffs. So you, I think the best thing you can do is have it. Uh, even though yesterday is disappointing, you got to have uh, emotional uh, control, ironclad emotional control. Forget that. Control what you can control. And uh, ultimately try to get to 9-6. and six, And then uh, after that, ultimately try to get to 10-6. and six. You know, I'm happy you're, you're getting ready to play San Fran because – that's a big game, and you have to be completely focused on them because they're good. Uh, this could be their year. I mean, they were the team in the NFC. It's, it gets you over what just happened in Dallas t- that much faster because you have to deal with San Francisco coming up. No, no matter – let's take – as an example, too, who San Francisco just played, the Falcons having a disappointing season. What I do know, them doing what it took yesterday – to beat an 11-2 and two team, their locker room and their plane ride home in that moment was very fulfilling. And you only get 16 of these in a given season. And to do whatever it takes to beat any team, much less a team that, you know, going into it yesterday may have been fighting for a one or two seed, uh, is definitely fulfilling. So I think that's how you got to look at it. As, as Sean and we say all the time, the only way – uh, to get to the end of the season and see where it all falls is to actually take it uh, each week at a time, and each week is, is very fulfilling. We were all hoping to have that feeling flying home from mm-hmm. the Metroplex last night. It didn't happen. To what do you attribute the poor showing against the Cowboys? Was there a sign of fatigue, a lack of competitive spirit with so much on the line? That, that was confusing to us. What I, what I like to always do in, in these situations, number one, is give credit to the Cowboys. They were coming off a of, you know, let's call it a three-game losing streak. They decided they were going to, uh, you, let's say, utilize their offensive line, get behind it, hand it to 21. Uh, he was able to break some tackles, uh, keep them into, uh, you know, let's call it in second manageables, third manageables, and, and just you, you're going to 90 and 97, you know, yard drive back-to-back. That's a, that's a tribute to them. I think uh, we didn't do anything probably on each side of the ball. Maybe Johnny Hecker did some really good things. But other than that, we didn't do anything to counter the good things they were doing. So uh, that's our fault. But they deserve a lot of credit for – you think about it, right? Uh, They were left for dead, per se, for the last three weeks. But it it just shows you, hey, when your back's against the wall, and each week is different, and 
give them credit for doing what they had to do to to make our plane ride back to LAX from Dallas uh, miserable. I have to bang myself in the head. I, I, like, why does everybody get right on the Rams? Like, Tampa all of a sudden played their best game against you. Then Dallas gets right against you. Oh, I forgot. You are defending NFC champs. You are everybody's big game. So I guess you have to expect teams to come together right before you play them. Definitely. They're going to. And that, that's where you want to be, uh, and that's where we want to be for sure. But it, it does – that's the cost of that. And uh, it's up to us to, to figure out how to handle it week to week. And, and we didn't do that yesterday. And uh, technically and, you still are champions as of right now. It's still out there, right? Until the division has not been clinched. It's yet. not clinched yet, right. Okay. Yeah. I, I do know this. I don't think we're eligible for the division championship, though. It'll be San Francisco or Seattle. <laughs> yeah, they have 11 wins. I don't think we can get oh, there. Just checking. All right. Now we could we could technically win the conference again, at least as we speak tonight. Mathematically possible. You are correct. The Coach In- McVay Show with special guest Les Need tonight. Demarco Farr, JB Long. Week 16 means a matchup with the 49ers. You know we've talked with Sean McVay at times this year about inconsistency, kind of being mm. the bane of a coach's existence, right? Not knowing what to expect, what you're going to get on the weekend. Is the same true in your seat and, and for your staff in terms of it must be difficult to evaluate your own personnel and, and where you might like to make changes or upgrades when you know your ones hadn't allowed a touchdown since Baltimore through a couple of games on defense, and then for the third time this season they allow 40-plus points. Like, How do you make heads or tails of that week to week? Well, it, it is interesting because you I always go as let's t- – Coaching's different. They're you know they're right now trying to come up with a plan to 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 defeat the 49ers. Front office uh, t- different. We're go- looking at a long term approach, but there's also that's a collective. There's a collective uh, evaluation of 11 to 12, 13, 14, uh, probably more than 11 players on defense that's trying to stop the opposing player, and they have to play together. they got to build a wall, whether it's run or pass. Now, And then there's this element of, okay, you can then focus, filter players out, uh, and maybe look at them un- unemotionally and see how they're developing uh, you know, from the start of this season to the end, from the start of last year to the end, depending mm-hmm. on whether you're a rookie, sophomore, in your contract year. So uh, definitely uh, different approaches uh, to what we're doing, uh, you know, compared to what the coaches are doing in this moment. You know, if that was practice, double horn, let's start this thing over and let's get going the right way. You know what I mean? When the game starts and you can tell we just don't have the energy, how do you change that midstream during the game, well, I think it, when you, I think uh, there's been many a times, and and it and I, I was good. And I don't even want. Sometimes I didn't even want to bring it up, but you know we did play on Monday night emotionally game, a little bit shorter week. Not saying that's an excuse and all, but let's say there was an element of fatigue or carryover from that. What needs to happen early in some of those games to to get you back into it over the over the first two three four series is, is some plays to go your way so let's look at Dallas's we needed maybe uh the the interception uh instead of it being offsetting penalties to go our way maybe all of a sudden we get feel good field positions maybe take an early lead instead of falling behind uh so somewhere along the way we needed to get one of those sacks instead of letting Dak break out have our defenders collide, and uh, you got to love seeing Tavon accept that it was against us and make a big play. But you probably needed some of those plays to go your way, maybe to uh, 
at least keep you into the game while you're trying to uh, establish uh, normalized energy or energy that you compare to if that was a, a problem yesterday. But ultimately, Dallas did what they had to do, and, and they jumped on us. And at that point, we were catching, catch, playing catch up and a little bit tough from there. He's Rams general manager Les Snead with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long just getting started on this edition of the Coach McVay Show, a preview of the 49ers and the matchup with San Francisco, plus some individual conversation. What does Corey Littleton's performance this year mean in terms of his value both inside and outside this organization? And next, Jared Goff. We last spoke with Les after a rough month of November. What does he make of three games from QB1 in December to this point? That's as the Coach McVay Show rolls on on ESPN LA 710. All right, the Coach McVay Show is presented by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about. And as we tease going to our first commercial break, let's pick up the conversation with the latest on Jared Goff. And the last time you were in this seat, unfortunately, it was following a different loss. That seems to be a trend. Thank you for nonetheless showing up and taking our questions. Uh, But since we last spoke, Jared's kind of turned his season in a different direction, Uh, especially those first two games of December were a couple of his best. What did you make against uh, his performance yesterday against the Cowboys? Well, I think... uh, you know, yesterday against the Cowboys, probably the least of the performances of the two you just mentioned. So you'd always say, yes, if we could, you know, complete a few more passes, throw mm-hmm. a few more touchdowns, it, things might have been different. But like like the other two performances as well, it's always a collaborative thing. Uh, again, the, the defensive play in those uh, other two games – that we're talking about Arizona and Seattle obviously helped uh, Jared in the offense because they were, you know, getting the uh, other team off the, the ball, getting good field position, things like that. So, it, hey, w- quarterback's going to always, that's going to be a superficial type thing. So uh, I think, though, the overall from what we talked about in November, December, the best thing let's talk about when we just isolate Jared is uh, most QBs in this league are going to go through ebbs and flows. Uh you know, going to have some slumps and things like that. The old, the the thing that you need them to do is respond and respond in a positive way, uh, because you know things can build up and 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 you got the piano on your back and there's a lot of eyes uh, looking at the QB. There's going to be a, a lot of discussion about the QB, but ultimately the QB and the team when when everyone's going through a little bit of a slump ha- needs to respond in a positive way. And Jared and the team did that. Uh, from November to December. I think every pro has to learn how to be consistent. The only difference between a quarterback and everybody else, for the most part, is everyone else has a backup that can come in and play for you during the game. The quarterback has to go out there no matter what. It's your game. So if you yank the quarterback, that's bad. But just where are we, in your opinion, with Jared, learning how to be a consistent pro at quarterback? Every single time. I think we're in, in – what year are we in? Is this year four? Yeah. I think. I mean, I think I will keep it simple and say we're in, we're in year four. Uh, and really in year three of Sean's offense. We're in year one of, of let's say, hey, him being a quarterback that's, that's highly paid. So I think you, you've gone through the stages. Rookie, uh, the two years uh, under Sean, now we're there. So all, all those variables come into play. And there's definitely going to be an evolution process. What I, what I do think, what we're jacked about is, is over the course of this year, years and past, you've seen and we've seen Jared make the type of plays, execute the type of plays that's going to help us win football games. And ultimately, he, along with everyone else, whether it's you know defense, offense, you know secondary core, offensive line core, running backs, receivers, everyone. 
uh, heck, general manager uh, <laughs> needs to be more consistent uh, going forward than we were this year. What's gotten into Tyler Higby? Uh, I think. <laughs> well, it, interestingly, uh, interestingly, because Gerald Everett has been out with an injury, there is some there is some reps, uh, and that is let's call it Tyler's taken instead of Gerald. So there's some targets going his way that might have gone to Gerald in the past because you're trying to mix and match. You got two two players, but because there's one player instead of two. Uh, he's getting more targets now. the The neat thing about that you can see what it is like when, when let's say you don't have a rotation and someone gets a, a feel for the game, gets targets, gets confident. Uh, it can definitely lead, uh, let's call it to to more production. So I think that's the variable that's going on, and it's been it's been really good to see uh, Tyler uh, respond because he's a he's a good player. He's a he's a glue guy for us uh, in the locker room. So really jacked for him in terms of his individual performance last I guess you call it three games yeah I don't know how many it's tough to to look at the play-by-play yesterday on on his stats I do know his he had 100 plus in the other two did he get there yesterday I don't know he did but obviously in different situations deep in that fourth quarter when you're playing catch up against some of their twos nonetheless a three-game streak of 100 plus yards receiving is a three-game what do we call that garbage time I don't call it garbage time. I call it not a football with respect game. to Tyler's yeah. stats. We're not going to. Yeah, call. no one ever. You know, no one ever like questions Larry Fitzgerald's stats. Let's right? go to. Let's <laughs> go to guard. I, I, you can. I can tell you this, and and I know talking to Sean today from that perspective, you can you can call it garbage time, and I get it. And you can be in fantasy football, and somebody was playing against Tyler Higby, and he he had some yards in the fourth quarter that may have helped someone's fantasy team or whatever. And you get into all that, but I do know this: the way that game and you know, was going, uh, it does help you come into this week uh, that, okay, even in those moments that guess what? We decided, you know what, we're going to go compete. We're going to execute. Mm-hmm. We're going to convert some, you know, thirds to first, fourths to first, and things like that and get in the end zone. And, and I do think by competing all the way through, executing, uh, even though it wasn't going to help you win uh, the game on the scoreboard, it was going to probably give – a little bit of a boost, a little more confidence heading into uh, this week against San Francisco. Two things. Uh, Murray said it on the broadcast. Higby played receiver in college. That guy was a wide receiver at well, one point. Uh, it'd be, I'm going to plead. I don't want to say that MJD was wrong. Yeah. Because maybe as a freshman, Tyler played as a receiver uh, at Western Kentucky. Now, what I do, what MJD could be talking about is he was definitely in a in a passing attack offense so Tyler was rarely uh let's call it you know on the on the uh in the end line in the in the box he was usually uh. split out as one of the the four or five wides in, in a very spread offense so he was usually a interestingly Johnny Munt was very similar at, at Oregon no very kidding. you'd it take you a lot of work to go find probably the 10 plus plays where where both uh Johnny Mutt and Tyler Higby were, let's call it, next to the offensive tackle in on the line. line of scrimmage. Wow, about a receiver that size, nothing but slants. Come on, safety. <laughs> oh, he was down. He'd run yeah. down the seam, yeah. and man, I forget the QB they had. He ended up going to the Dolphins, but uh, they, you know, Tyler had a lot of production. Uh, let's call it running a vertical down the seam, and uh, who, QB. what safety wants to hit that in the helmet? So. Uh, the second thing, uh, some of the Cowboys fans and some of the other people. When the game got out of hand, the score was lopsided. 
they were booing because the Rams were still trying. This is professional football. They're never supposed to quit trying, no matter what the score. So that's what I mean. There, there is no such thing as garbage time to me. You have time on the clock. You try as hard as you can until there's no time, and then you go home. Right? That makes sense. No doubt going to compete to the end. I think Dallas was competing to the end. I do think that, you know, probably with less than a minute, they, they, you know what, they lined it up and made some good blocks. And I think, uh, I think Mr. Pollard had about a 45-yard run for a touchdown. And, and you know what? I have nothing against the Cowboys for doing that. You know what? We knew they were going to run the ball. It's up to us to, to stop him, call timeout, and, you know, get them to punt to us again and try to, try to score again. Last thing related to Higby, I'm glad this segment kind of evolved into a conversation about the Rams' tight end, uh, but it's actually, it actually has to do with Troy Hill, and, and my premise of this question is so much of the Rams' off-season narrative was about the contracts handed out, and, and some of them you know, very pricey for obvious reasons, but kind of the, the next level was Tyler Higby and Troy Hill getting extensions. Is it validating as a general manager and, and for your staff to see those players making big-time contributions deep in this season? Oh, it's definitely, you know, that that's the objective, that's what, you know, a front office uh, scouting staff, you know, that's what we're we're charged to do. So uh, definitely, you know, fulfilling to to see that come to fruition. But ultimately, that's that's everyone doing their job: the uh, scouting staff, the coaching staff, for developing and put them in, in positions to make the plays, and the, the players making the plays. As for that next wave of Rams talent awaiting contract extensions, we'll run through some of them with Les Snead, and I'm sure he'll tap dance around them and give us very politically <laughs> oh, yes. correct answers as we continue with this Coach We McVay still got show. two games left. <laughs> Week 16 edition, Rams at 49ers in Santa Clara. You're listening to ESPN LA 710. All right, great to have Les Snead with us tonight. And as we keep an eye on Monday Night Football, the Saints defeating the Colts as we view it. I'm reminded, less just away from the Rams specifically, the 2020 class of free agent quarterbacks that will be. And I just want to get your take on kind of the marketplace, like potentially Tom Brady, Breeze, Rivers, Manning, Bridgewater, Winston, Mariota, Ryan Tannehill. Like, have we ever seen this many potential starting quarterbacks hit the market at once? That's if if all of those players you just mentioned changes, you know, change teams, then the uh, NFL will definitely be. <laughs> Uh, a lot different in two. What would that be? Two thousand twenty season yeah, than, the, than yeah. the nineteen season. So that that'll be an interesting uh, dynamic uh, to follow. But usually, it, it, you'll probably have less changes than, than sure. more in these situations. But it, it will be interesting to follow. Almost guaranteed, none will be coming to this division, right? You'd have to think. Not, I not think at quarterback. Yeah. I think the future of QB one in this in this uh, NFC West looks pretty solid. Yeah, all locked up. So depends on who you play, right? <laughs> depends on who you play. I, I, get, I guess the the way this division has gone this year, you would maybe hope a few, you know, changes could occur. But uh, <laughs> right. it's just a selfish, you know, wish that I do know is right. not going to be granted. A uh, little bit tongue in cheek uh, going to our previous commercial break, knowing that uh, there is still there was no to tongue in cheek to that. I was, I was, not you. Um, but there, there obviously are some high profile Rams who are eligible for contracts this offseason. One of them, you know, Cooper Cup hitting a nice career milestone yesterday, his first one thousand yard receiving season, and giving where he was in terms of his rehab a year ago. I think a deserving uh, NFL Player of the Year, Comeback Player of the Year candidate. Uh, without getting into specifics, uh, for our audience who would love to see Cooper Cup be a Ram for a very long time into the future, how much of a priority is that for this organization? I think I think I do know this. We really, obviously, value Cooper and what he's done. So I th- that is definitely the object- objective. Mm-hmm. I think Rams fans can be happy. We definitely want Cooper around. 
uh, you know, to move the chains. I do think from the big picture, though, we do. Uh, Sean would like to say, like to say, once the season gets started, let's let's complete the the 2019 mission, and and that's that's the main thing right now. Uh, that that I guess you'd call it the in season is still ongoing, mm-hmm. and those are going to be some off season t- uh, you know topics to discuss, and 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 we'll definitely sit down at the appropriate time over the uh, next few months and and try to. Let's call it map out not only the 2020 Rams but uh, the 21, 22 Rams. You're always trying to look, you know, one to two to three years into the future. That's a no-brainer, JV. I'm just answering on my own. That's a no-brainer. Yeah, just well, saying. Well, another yeah. kind of equivalent one that's a little bit more urgent on the defensive side would be Corey Littleton. And what do you make of the mm. year that he's had right in the midst of your defense as he prepares to hit free agents? He's had two really good years. I think it's going to be really, really good for. Corey Littleton. Yeah. There there is no doubt. And 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 the interesting thing, right, the the way the NFL has changed. Uh and it again, not every team is Seattle or or necessarily Dallas yesterday, but the way teams are going as you watch the Saints tonight, the teams that are gonna spread you out, uh, use the Alvin Kamaras and, and, and things like that, you know, players like Corey Littleton, uh I call it the we like to call it the modern day NFL linebacker, you know, no longer maybe big Ted Johnson. Ted Johnson, what would he be now? He'd be a three technique or something. Probably, right. Right. <laughs> yeah. What would what would what would uh Pepper Johnson what did deactivated on game day? <laughs> right. <laughs> those guys but so it's a, you know, that's a good thing for Corey. Which is interesting, Corey at Washington was was basically on the line of scrimmage. You know, he he he, he in some sort of three four ish, not totally three fours, but he he did a lot of work on the line of scrimmage. So for him to to drop back and actually be able to play behind the line of scrimmage, that's a whole different game. Takes a, a whole different part of your brain to be able to process it. So I give Corey credit for for working through all that and making plays. See, that's funny. I think there's more to his game. I think he can add another layer and. Not in defense of him. No one's taking shots at Corey, but I just keep telling people, how many inside linebackers do you see in the NFL that can actually go out and block punts? Like, be a threat on special teams, plus play a really good inside linebacker position at the same time. You just don't see that. You know what I mean? He's a special type guy, and I think you can actually add more to his plate to oh, make him no, more of a weapon on defense. Uh, when you go inside backer and you stay very effective on third down and on fourth down, uh, that's again usually when you say inside linebacker, that's a little bit like the fullback coming off on uh, different uh, downs and distances based on uh, the way the game's going. So uh, Corey, very versatile player. I think it's only going to benefit him and his family in the future. <laughs> Buy some ponies. I read the article. <laughs> yeah, yeah, there you go. <laughs> With Demarco Far, JB Long, Les Snead is our guest tonight on the Coach McVay Show. Uh, a question that was kind of percolating in my mind earlier today: Can we project with any certainty? a single offensive lineman who will be starting for the Rams on opening day 2020. There's a lot of uncertainty there, but this portion of the season, less maybe has convinced all of us that there are some great options there in that next wave of talent. There's there's definitely been some good options. That's the – that's the – there's a negative and positive to the, uh, you know, unfortunate situations that we've had yeah. happen on, on the OL, especially with the injuries. And in and, and any time you go through – uh, just the natural organic transition of year to year, but with that, the if you want to call it the there's some thorns there, but the roses you get to see some of your young players that you did draft or trade for uh, that you were going to try to drill, you know, develop and groom actually 
get on the field, get experience, uh, make mistakes, then not make those mistakes, learn, play, get better, and 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 have some good moments along the way. So, uh, you know, every you know every thorn has a rose, maybe. Mm. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, I was going to say Blythe, Whitworth, if he decides to play again. I mean, those would be the guys that would be. Yeah, the, yeah. The, the thing with Blythe is obviously will he be a Ram, and then what position will he be yeah. a, a Ram if he is a Ram? Because he's giving you some good reps at guard and now center in Very consecutive that, years. It's, it's really good to be versatile, and, and, and I give Austin a lot of credit because guard's different than center in that, okay, wait a minute, now the, the other four – along with uh, a few other people are relying mm-hmm. on you to make the right calls at the right time to get the protection set and, and, and calm everybody down and, and settle everyone down and make sure, you know, everybody's every hat has a hat on them. Yeah. In terms of uh, free agents, to be more generally speaking, so that we don't have to dig into the specifics and the names, is it fair to say that there's an organizational expectation that some will inevitably sign elsewhere, right? I mean, there, there aren't enough dollars and enough cap space to go around for everyone to continue on with this organization. And also in terms of how compensation picks work and their ability to replenish your draft stock. Right. That, unfortunately, that's the nature of the NFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and But there, again, fortunately for players as well, there's a the nature of the NFL allows uh, players to leave and get paid elsewhere. So it, it can be good for the individual bad for the team or even negative to the player too because you got to move but unfortunately we do have a budget uh we have a cap and i do think the cap is what uh probably allows uh the nfl to stay very competitive year to the year maybe not you know create uh dynasties one way or the other and and each game is (laughs) can go down to the wire so i think there's some definitely some positives Mm -hmm. that for the for the whole but for the Los Angeles Rams, what you do realize is 2020, that that team will be different than the 19 team, just as the 19 team was different than the 18 team. And I don't think there's anything we're going to do to, to slow that, uh, let's call it, law of physics down. No doubt. Hey, help me with something. I, the cap is going up. Does that mean the top players get paid more, or can't you pay more of your, I guess, mid-level players to keep more of them from – that's an excellent the yeah. theoretical question, and if you base it off of history, uh, what what you know historically, right? The best players uh, at at each position are presumably the best players, and the ones that hit free agency look their salaries tend to go up, right? If you look at a starting corner salary, a top five corner salary now compared to five years ago, those salaries have gone up. So what's going to happen is I do think that does occur uh you know the you know there will be uh, a percentage increase for let's say the best corners or defensive ends or guards in the business but uh you would like to still be able to use some of that cap increase to let, let's say sign a tyler higby that maybe isn't let's call it top five top seven at his position but at the end of the day well paid if you want to call it upper middle class mm-hmm. in the NFL if that's a if that's a term so but I do know this it's a little hard to do that because what you the trend has been uh, usually the best players are presumably the best players the top five top ten those salaries continue to increase instead of stay flat and uh, let's call it the middle class as salaries go up so uh, that's what's been historically. But each year will be different. It'll be interesting as a, as a new CBA comes into place too. Uh, you know what changes uh, that has on the system. 
Coming up next, the 49ers have clinched a playoff berth for the first time since 2013. We'll ask Les Snead what the Rams have to do to go to Levi's and get a win to keep their playoff hopes alive. You're listening to the Coach McVay Show on ESPN LA 710. And tonight it's with Les Snead. Good evening once again with DeMarco Farr. I'm J.B. Long. We're chatting with the general manager of the Los Angeles Rams. As for this matchup with the San Francisco 49ers, despite being the five seed as of this moment, they are two wins away. They would have to come against the Rams and then in Seattle from being the one seed and making the road to Super Bowl 54 run through Levi's. And strangely enough, they actually don't have to beat the Rams to clinch the NFC West. All they would have to do is beat the Seahawks head-to-head. All that to say, welcome back. We're with Les Snead. And what's on your mind as your Rams prepare for a rematch against the 49ers? Well, I think that I think what you just uh, described lets you know the quality of team they are, the quality of division that we've had this year. So I think you know we've we've faced some really good teams the last uh, few weeks, and 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 let's take the team with the least record uh, has shown to be dangerous, uh, the Cardinals. So very very. Similar to to all the teams, they can they can run the ball, and then if they can run the ball, that definitely does help your your pass game. And and this team has a really good defense, so you got to play you got to play really good football. You got to stop the run, like you know we did against Seattle, but not yesterday. Uh, at that point, get them in some third and longs and be able to go get the, the passer, and then it ultimately right. You, let us stay ahead of this chains, win the time of possession, and, and get a lead and, and make them one-dimensional. But that's a lot uh, easier said than done, and I know our coaching staff right now is working hard behind the scenes to try to figure out how to get that accomplished. I think that's the first thing that pops into my head when you talk about San Fran is blocking them. That front is, is pretty good. That Bosa kid is all that, that, that they advertise, plus everyone else, Buckner, uh, getting after you. So when you're talking about a team and you talk about their front first, you, you know they're a snootful on game day. You Definitely. Know. And I think, that, I think they're, they're a little bit limited w- with the D Ford injury, uh, uh, which, which is a benefit to the Rams, but they, uh, they, they still got four first-rounders coming at you uh, with, with Solomon taking his place. So a little bit wounded with, with D down in terms of that front, uh, let's call it front four, not counting the uh, linebackers. But I do know this, they can still uh, – most teams in the NFL would take the other three without D40. Yes. Uh, there's plenty of teams that would do that. And in that regard, it's a different group of five for the Los Angeles Rams playing together with some continuity now with the chance to block them. Are you excited to use that as a measuring stick in terms of where your young offensive linemen have grown to at this stage of the Definitely season? Definitely B will be a, a, a very good tool. Another, uh, another let's call it, uh, you know, shot of film to add to your resume and especially – uh, going on the road and seeing the guys play a defensive line on the road because it's a little bit different, as you know, DeMarco, when you're on the road and, and the the you don't know your snap count per se and, and there's a lot of crowd noise. So that that's advantage defensive line at that point in time and, and it is good to see young offensive linemen be able to manage uh, blocking with the silent camp. Yeah, uh, is it fair to say, uh, you, you I mean, does that factor in to you when, when a team handles you or – beat you soundly in your division that the next matchup will we owe you I think, one yeah. i think I, I do know this and i don't know if it has to do with with them winning the last game but when you when you play a team twice a year there is this there's just this built-in rivalry where uh as we all say right you can probably throw out the records 
because you know each other so well and 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 you definitely there's just a little bit more maybe rivalry than than something not that the game's more important at all because last week was a very important game but i think when you play somebody two times a year over the course of many years uh there's something there that the to it so you and john lynch don't do the firm handshake stare you know hard back slap thing do you you know <laughs> you guys don't do that pre-game I, you know why would I shake his hand? <laughs> <laughs> there it is. There it is. <laughs> the Country Face Show presented by In-N-Out. That's what a hamburger is all about, and we're pleased to have Les Sneed with us. And uh, in the division, at 2-2 two and two as you play these final couple of weeks, I- I'm curious, like, how much will these final two outcomes inform your decision-making process for the offseason? Would two up look a whole lot different than two down in terms of how you might approach what you need to do to prepare for the next season ahead and where you fit into the modern NFC West? Well, it it is interesting. What I do know is all we can do is is compare ourselves to to, uh, uh, yesterday to the last time out. So we got a lot we can improve on Mm -hmm. from the Dallas game. I do know this, 19's not over. I know you tried to work a segment in where we talked about – the 19 off season you and, and the 20, perfectly, by the way. but 19 is not over, and you're either we're either going to get we're either going to be better off next week mm-hmm. than we were, you know, than we are now, or we're going to be worse, and 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 that goes for the next week too. So I, I do think these two games are very important. Uh, uh, you know, nine and six is is better than uh, eight and seven, and and ten and six is better than eight and eight, and that's just a fact and. That's two more wins. Now, ultimately, once we get to that off season, you do got to take a step back, be rational, take the emotion of, let's say, a quality win over San Francisco and a, and a second win over Arizona. And you can't let necessarily fulfillment from those two games affect something that might make you better mm-hmm. long term and vice versa. But I can't stress enough that these two uh, football games – are extremely important uh, no matter what happens in terms of postseason play. You both have heard this before. Uh, winning season, the number one seed, you're mathematically out of it. When you get to this point in the season, you're going to find out who loves to play the game, who loves to play football. You've heard this before, right? I think this yeah. qualifies for this football team. At this point, the last two games, you still have something to play for. 19 is not over. We're going to find out who actually loves to play this game. And, and I would, you know, that's no doubt. 2019 is not over you only get 16 uh, of these guaranteed 16 games, and you never know when it's your last time to ever go compete in an NFL game. So I don't think you can you can take – what I can say is the disappointment of uh, yesterday should not at all affect, even though it can, it can linger into today, but it shouldn't affect that, oh, by the way, hey, we only get two more shots – uh, one more at San Francisco this week uh, for the 19 season, maybe, and and that's that's a big, huge deal. Uh, you only live once. You're only going to get so many NFL games to play. This is going to be one of them. Hmm. And this time next week, if you were fortunate enough to go out and beat the 49ers, we'll be watching the Minnesota Vikings play Monday night football. That's how long you'd have to wait between Saturday night and Monday to see whether or not Week 17 at the Coliseum, that last game against the Cardinals, has postseason. There's nothing like those when when you when that occurs. That's that's the neat thing about the drama of the NFL. When you, if we can go take care of our business to to have Sunday to wait for that game and 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 to sit and and watch and go through the ebbs and flows of something that you can't control. And uh, uh, 
it just makes the drama and part of being an NFL uh, at least adrenaline feel. Can't say it's 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 fun. But <laughs> there's a lot of adrenaline involved. Well, this hour has been fun, and Les, yes, thanks sir. for uh, spending it with us, filling in for Coach McVeigh, who's already taken on the short week and the trip to Levi's. We will talk to you on Saturday night for Demarco Far for Les Need. I'm JB Long. Coming up next, Lakers talk with Alan Sliwa here on ESPN LA 710.